Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way and another edition of our July uh, Fresh Perspectives. We're enjoying some fresh perspectives, uh, teaching our community on Sundays and some fresh perspectives that are sharing their insights in this podcast during the week. And so this week, uh, I get to sit down with what I believe to be is a uh, Finding Our Way podcast KG veteran, uh, the mighty Kelsey Nectel. Kels, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing just lovely, Jeff. Thank you. It was like forever ago that you sat down with us, so we'll pretend you're a rookie, <laughs> even though you're a seasoned, experienced podcaster at this point. Seasons, oh my, um, that's quite the title there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want to just remind everyone kind of who you are, where you're coming from today? Yeah, uh, sure thing. So my name is Kelsey Nectel. I attend um, what is known as the best location, aka the Vineland location. Um, I have my two beautiful parents and a brother three years my senior. And um yeah, I, uh, there's, there's not much else to say other than that. You live in like Beamsville or almost oh, sorry. Grimsby yeah, Way? I, yeah, you got it. Grimsby Way. Yeah. Grimsby mm-hmm. Way. Do you want to talk about, uh, kind of your history with the church, how you landed here, what you've been into? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I guess if we rewind back to when I was a wee little bean, our, um, original church like our childhood church was folding um and so my folks were kind of sniffing about for another uh, church and we've been looking for a bit and then ended up uh landing at southridge and uh eventually got settled in vineland because that's a bit closer to grimsby um and like i mentioned the best location so it is uh and it's been a joy a goodness i think that we're getting on to probably 11 years now i would think uh attending vineland yeah yeah it's been apparently southridge in general yeah um what are you up to during the days right now work-wise or school or uh, yeah um so i'm just back for the summer i'm currently a uh, student over at western in london ontario and so I'm back for the summer, so doing some summer courses, which are online, which has permitted me to be back in the area, along with being a receptionist um, at an accounting firm. And uh, that certainly kept me busy. That's doing enough for your summer. You having a good summer so far? Oh, absolutely divine. Like, I'm good. just beside myself. It's been it's been a joy. So you talked about, uh, you know, connecting at the church as a, a little wee bean, not to be confused <laughs> from green bean. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, one of your one of your favorites, um, <laughs> Kelsey's dogs, and uh, I know Kelsey's a dog lover, and when we say dog lover, she's a dog <laughs> lover even in relation to dog lovers. So, you need to know that. Um, but you know, you connected as a kid, but mm-hmm. kind of growing up as a younger person, as you started to kind of, you know, embrace faith for yourself. How did, how did Southridge kind of become your church or what was it that originally started to kind of track with you personally? Uh, I would say that the first thing that kind of tracked with me personally was 
I mean, likely a cliche answer, but uh, the messages straight off. I mean, I definitely was starting to connect with more people. Um, when I first started coming to the church, I was incredibly introverted, um, pretty shy. Uh, that has since not um, become as much of an issue for me. Uh, but I would say what stood out to me and what really connected me into the church, yeah, was the people, the messages, I would say the relevance of the topics that we cover stands out or comes to mind. Um, you're talking about your, your relational journey and starting off pretty shy. Now, not so much getting far better connected, especially as your favorite location. I'll leave that to the rest of our members to debate. But, um, what are what are some of your primary relational connects these days? For my primary relational connections, I mean... I, I'm assuming that you mean through Southridge. I not necessarily. If it's if it's oh. not, I mean you can refer to your yeah, Southridge I mean, connections, but yeah, yeah, for sure. I was trying to keep it like on book, Jeff. But yeah, we're exactly going off on book. point. Jeff. I mean, <laughs> I, I I've for sure been uh, working to make connections in London, but um, over my my life, I mean, I've had wonderful, wonderful mentors and stuff, and friends who I've, I've known since high school and also folks who I've met just recently who are absolutely delightful. I mean, it's really hard to kind of boil down one's social life into like a itty bitty spiel there, but some um, on the sense of kind of the relational piece, um, especially since the pandemic has uh, kind of lifted and being home for the summer after uh, COVID and after being in London, it's been, like oxygen to be around our church community again. It's been an absolute, oh, just an absolute delight to be around folks again. It feels incredible. I, I would agree with that. As, uh, as a university student, you know, emerging gen aged person, you're in a place where not only is your faith becoming your own, but Southridge is becoming your church, not just, you know, your parents' church. So in the language of this ain't your grandma's church, right? This, is, this isn't your, <laughs> just, your, just your mom and dad's church. It's, it's become your church. H how has that happened? And what would you say either for you personally or in addition, just for emerging gen people, what is it about Southridge that kind of works for, for that age group? I, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of at the tail end of the emerging gen, but um, uh, I find, for me at least, when it comes to the context of Southridge, the balance between kind of relevant topics and, of course, messages and inspiration and realistic, practical community building. And what I mean by that is when you're away and kind of watch it online, I know quite a few folks still are. I think that it would be a general consensus to say that there is a flavor missing. It's kind of like how... You know, your mom would tell you that secret ingredient in the soup, so you keep coming back, and she's the only one who can cook it. It's it's kind of like that. Like, it's this sense that something's just missing when you're just watching it online. So I find Southridge, or at least in my subjective opinion, is a delightful balance between community resources of getting involved, let's get you connected with the life group, small group, um, connected with the community, as well as a practical kind of workout for your mind and spirit as well. Really appreciated your, your language of realistic. 
because I think sometimes in the salesmanship of church promising, we, we get so mythical in the proportions of what we imagine for people or invite them into, especially on community lines, right? We, you know, sort of cast this community vision and invite people into close friends, bosom buddies, and lifelong pals. <laughs> and yeah. spiritual friendships often aren't that, are they? They're, they're just, mm -hmm. they're, they're opportunities to connect in very different types of conversations and at very different soul levels than any other relationship you're going to have otherwise. And it's mm. that differentiation that a church can deliver, not necessarily the, you know, we're going to have people that you can go on vacation with until you're, you know, in your 80s. Like it, it, yeah, it doesn't yeah. necessarily deliver that, but it delivers realistic community. And I appreciated you describing it that way. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I would also say that um, anyone who's like a big hockey fan and you're surrounded by folks who are maybe like not, and then you find that one gem of a person who you can just talk your sport with, there's something, there's a sense of camaraderie, whereas you can be worlds apart in whatever you do and whatever your background is. But when there's an anchor there, you seem to find a common ground regardless. And I found that at least at Southridge, you can have a wildly different experience with faith, with God, with background, and then still come around and chat about the message of that week. And there's a sense of level turf and there's always something kind of broad to talk about. Mm. Yeah. I love that. The commonality of, of the, the, the shared journey, regardless of where people are coming from, uh, along those lines, uh, we want to give some of this time, uh, each month to just kind of hearing a little bit about the, the personal journey. Uh, of the the participants in our, our podcast and so I, I know and we've talked about it in in this environment before that that your faith journey and even your personal journey has been uh, pretty impressive quite extraordinary um, if you can remember back a decade ago your family's kind of kicking the tires you end up landing <laughs> here at, at Southridge can you remember where your faith was when you started connecting with Southridge and and how it's most developed Hmm. Oh, you make you're making me work now, Jeff. I'm yes. oh, I got yes, percolate for a second. Yeah. Uh you you know, I think that's uh, you know what, maybe maybe I'll set the stage just a touch. I uh I did experience a fair bit of uh, mental health challenges. And in some of the uh treatment options that we did over the years of where I was um kind of seeking help and to kind of, you know, get a better uh handle on uh, my mental health. I went through uh, ECT treatment and that's um, kind of makes my memory a touch fuzzy every now and again in long-term memory. Uh, but when I look back 10 years ago, I definitely would have still been like in the depths of that. Mm. And I know at that time I was, as, as alluded to previously, incredibly <laughs> introverted but i don't think by choice um because i find myself now to be incredibly extroverted my faith journey at that time i think that's if i were to condense it down would be very um conditional like whoever i'm talking to and let's let's say someone was talking god stuff and then i jump on that bay and be like oh yeah yeah that's that's pretty cool but 
other than that, I definitely didn't own it. And I definitely didn't rely on it on any sense. It was a very disjointed relationship. And I would say a very fearful one that I had with God at first. Mm -hmm. And you're tapping into, you know, kind of on concurrent tracks and actually in a very interrelated way, a, a, a faith journey, but also a, a real healing journey personally. And so I'm, I'm wondering, and again, this is somewhat memory dependent, but if you can comment on it, that's great. Like, what would you say most helped you to, I don't want to say get it in the comprehension sense, but get it in the deep soul sense to, to really actually embrace how loved by Jesus you are and the invitation he provides to live in that love as a follower of his? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say that I, I kind of have an answer up into this part and where I'm kind of looking forward. If we're looking at historically um, what kind of led me to the point where I am, I found that God, at least in our relationship, I know that that's a little different for everyone, is... He would leave. He was. He almost won me over by sheer accumulation. Uh, like he would leave me, like almost little love notes, like little messages in a bottle that would kind of float down my way in a red, metaphorical sense, of course. But like, it was an accumulation of breadcrumbs that kind of led me to a much more steadfast relationship with him, which at a certain point I could no longer ignore. And I think that compounded with the fact that I was seeking help for my mental health and he was again just sheer oxygen at that time um was a real game changer so the two of us kind of worked on that and he eventually kind of dragged me out of that hole um and i know that it's you know constant maintenance on that sense as as this was any mental health but shifting as to the present kind of looking forward our relational um piece there would be what I've currently been working on is self-love. And I think that quite a few folks can kind of relate to that because when you're working with a God who's just love, I mean, you got to kind of get a bit cozy with loving yourself a bit too, which feels very alien at times. It's, I find often, or at least again, in my case, well, maybe I'll just speak for my case, of course, is it's very easy to love other people, but it's not so easy and almost hypocritical to the sense that you absolutely won't love yourself. Like you won't touch it. You wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole, but yet God will love you through all of it, like unconditionally, relentlessly. And so fostering a relationship with yourself where you can't hide and you're able to love the one person, which arguably, you know, most intimately yourself that kind of sets a stage for comprehension. I know that we're not able to fully comprehend God's love, but in the sense of like, I've, I've been able to relate to God better, the more that I've been more accepting of myself and showing myself love and care, it's because I'm able to accept it a bit more from God. That would kind of be the present thing which I'm chewing at right now. That's fantastic. And I hope not only our members, but the other leaders who listen from beyond Southridge can just, you know, maybe even press pause and soak a little bit of that in. I think about the 
uh, you know, the, the, the teachings of Jesus to love your neighbor as yourself. And that kind of presumes an already capable flow of the love of God for yourself. Mm. And I can actually see me the way God sees me. And I can soak in my belovedness in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And out of that, then I can, you know, let love flow. But for many, many people, and all of us to some degree imperfectly, that's actually the bigger barrier, isn't it? Yeah. Is, yeah, is getting to the, the love yourself. And then I can... <laughs> Then I can love my neighbor that way. That's 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 a great observation, Kelsey. I appreciate you going there. Um, yeah, for sure. In 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 shifting gears a little bit, just to kind of get your take on kind of what's out there in emerging Gen Land. Uh, you, you've had your self involved in and your finger kind of on the pulse of this for the last couple of years. But like you said, the <laughs> pandemic shut everything down, and now it's great to be back you know, engaging with people as you're rubbing shoulders with other emerging gen and in different, whether it's directly emerging gen experiences or just, you know, cruising around on Sunday with everybody. What's your (laughs) sense of the the heartbeat of our emerging gen in our community these days when it comes to faith and church life? You know, the, the heartbeat of the emerging gen, I would say, and again, I want to speak, you know, in a representative sense, but I don't it's want to perspective it either. True. Yeah. Is, have you, have you ever kind of like gone to a fair and like your parents gave you like a wad of tickets to like, oh yeah, you can spend it on whatever you want. You can go run over to uh, like do the slide or do like some carnival games or something. I swear that this connects. <laughs> Is, I feel like the emerging gen has a full tank of gas and they're just debating where to go where are they going to spend their tickets how are they going to effectively apply themselves in the world and so i find some brilliant minds some brilliant leaders some compassionate people who are looking around with a full tank almost sampling where exactly do i want to settle myself and it might not be forever of course but i see an emerging generation of folks who are looking to best kind of, and most effectively apply themselves to the world and to God's plan around them, which can be quite a big thing. I mean, even like, again, I picture like kids at carnival, some kids will like jump to the nearest booth and others will kind of, you know, want to scan and look around, you know, before it's like, no, 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 I want to go in the Mary Gribbland for sure. And I find that, and again, like, pardon my off the cuff kind of comparison there. I'm not trying to compare us to toddlers, but it's this sense of looking around of where do I want to go? What do I want to do? What are my skills? Let me take stock and let's get going. Let's kind of make a change. Let's make a reverberation. What's my legacy going to be? Yeah, that's a a great metaphor. Um, You've been part of these uh, emerging gen pizza nights with our now good friend, John Garner. Um, Talk about that experience and, and, kind of the impact that only two so far uh, have have had on you? Oh, well, I mean, first off, John's an absolute gem. And I feel like that's, again, just everyone knows that he's probably met him. Because 
I feel like there's quite a few supports. I know that Southridge has gotten a whole lot um, more involved since the pandemic has, uh, you know, kind of like let us open up a wee bit more recently uh, with investing into the next gen. But John in particular, if he didn't recently have leg surgery, he'd be bouncing off the walls with all his enthusiasm. Like the guy (laughs) just reverberates this passion for like this age group which is incredible. I mean, I know that he was your mentor around at this age yourself. And so I'm, I'm certain that you're kind of aware of this too, Jeff, but it's, it's potent. Like it's in the air to kind of sit there and have someone almost look at you and see the potential in you. And I feel that the emphasis as of recently has really been on mentorship and on where are you looking to go? And John has brought such a beautiful light to that. And not only that, has catalyzed many conversations amongst uh, the attendants of what am I looking for in a mentor? Where am I hoping to be? What's my take on the world in Southridge that's going on right now? Yeah, he definitely, uh, and it is hard to describe, he, he, he comes to life around this age group. Mm-hmm. And it's been great to watch him, you know, to watch that switch turn on and him just, you know, that engine rev uh, when he's in those environments. The other thing I've appreciated is it's not all just ministry shop talk. In fact, mm-hmm. most of it is actually just about life and faith and almost more basic. Someone called it adulting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I watched him, he was describing in the one, the, the one conversation some of the actual like breakdowns that he's had personally mm-hmm. uh just you know in his own anxiety and things like that and you know for someone almost 70 years old who's been in vocational ministry 42 years to toss out words like anxiety uh that has that has a room full of emerging gen leaning forward doesn't it yeah yeah for sure his authenticity is uh very distinct. Yeah, yeah. Um, also wondering about this teaching series we're, we're launching into, or launched to do last week, um, where a few of our emerging gen are going to be given the platform and preach and sort of share uh, in that regard, whether it's the pizza nights or this preaching exploration or, you know, getting a few of you to, to share your perspectives on the podcast. And we're starting to stir this this activity of the emerging gen up a little bit. How are you feeling about all that? Oh, goodness, Jeff, it's brilliant. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm incredibly biased, and I think that the upcoming speakers are going to do fantastic. But also, it's it feels like I'm seeing something, someone kind of blossom as well, if that makes sense, of leaders who are growing and can't, you know, taking the stage more like, goodness, Courtney's done wonderfully. Erica, well, the entire Jones family is just fantastic. And looking around, it's like I'm seeing folks step into their potential more and more, which has been, yeah, it's something else to see. I mean, you're, you're connected into where they are now, of course, but you almost get glimpses of the sheer kind of potential behind their eyes there it's yeah it's wonderful yeah i'm excited to see what comes obviously uh your voice is one of these that we want to tap into during this month through this conversation so i'm going to just kind of popcorn uh, a few 
don't know if they'll be rapid fire, depending on how much we get into them, but a few, <laughs> a, few, a, few, uh, a few questions just to kind of get your take. One thing that I'm interested in, Kels, yeah. uh, knowing even though you're part of what you describe as the best location in Vineland, uh, <laughs> you've, you've been a very active participant and even done a staff stint in the shelter. Mm. And I mean, I've watched you there and you would you would bring uh, a, a certain prodigy level of, of gifting and just innate get it factor in how to relate to the homeless community. Um, how, how are you feeling about that work and you know, how all that's going in fostering those friendships that make a difference uh, with the marginalized, particularly the homeless? Yeah, um, well, I can kind of more speak, I guess, from a volunteer perspective now. But I, I got to say, like, every time I interact with the shelter, I feel like a changed person. I know that sounds incredibly dramatic, but that's the best that I can boil it down mm -hmm. to. And I think that too often folks kind of go in. Oh, charity isn't quite the right word of like, oh, you know, I'm going to give because I have so much and they have so little. That's not it at all. It's a massively like two-way street there. Like there, goodness, the amount of folks who have come through those, who have come through those shelter doors, who have could have written bestseller books by now, is like through the roof. And if you go in and you're going to learn, and you're respectfully, of course, but you're going to learn and just hang out, have a laugh, share life with, share a sliver of your evening with. Like we got these Wednesday night community dinners going on right now. If anyone's interested, hop on in. Like, it's an incredible time with some wonderful people. And it's friendship. I mean, it's it's level ground all around. You're not expected to be anyone except yourself there. And it's a really special place to be. And, of course, a lot of those folks have been through things which I can only imagine. And... God tends to come really close to those who are struggling. And sometimes if you're, if you yourself are struggling with your faith, you know, you're looking for mentors and folks who are oh, super close to God. I mean, that can be a place to see God right there at work. Yeah. Uh, to, to watch you in that environment is super impressive. I would echo your comments to people, especially around St. Catharines that if, if they can be part of a community dinner Wednesday night, especially if you're a Euchre player, Oh yeah. Into that afterwards. That's a that's a big thing. Uh, good time certainly had by all. Uh, another another take I'd be curious on. It was kind of right around the pandemic hit, and uh, we went to the online format only. We were locked down, and uh, we're also almost simultaneously processing the murder of George Floyd that opened up all yeah. kinds of conversations about racism mm -hmm. and racial injustice in our context to a fault because we really hadn't mm -hmm. uh, given a lot of uh, attention to that before that. Um, what would you say you're seeing? What's our church learning? What do we need to mm -hmm. understand? Kind of what's the pulse of all that uh, in us being able to embrace a greater degree of diversity in that regard? Yeah. Um, well, as a visual minority myself, I mean, my birth father was uh, Laotian, which is close to Vietnam, so Asian. And uh, my birth mother was white, Caucasian, or British. Um, but I was adopted and grew up with a completely white family in a very white community. 
And so I'm honestly a student in this area myself when it comes to racism and my own privilege, um, because I've truly grown up in white privilege and I'm starting to see it more and more and the discrimination that so many people face. And it's fascinating because I was actually asked by my birth father, I'm in close connection with both my birth parents and, and hearing kind of his struggle and he assumed that that was the same as mine. And in my case, it hasn't been. So in my case, I'm still very much a student. And I feel like what Southridge has been doing and what I'm at least trying to do is to be a whole lot better at listening. I think that's, and I fall into this trap myself, is you get an idea in your head and you're you know, excited to share it or you're excited to hop on you know, a bandwagon on this, that, or the other without truly marinating with it, understanding it, and really seeing from someone else's perspective and listening to their story. Instead of just kind of reading articles, you're sitting down with someone who's been through difficult, you know, discrimination. Like that's a, that's a tough thing to, to process and to be able to hear it from their perspective is, yeah, there's nothing quite like it. Yeah, it's interesting as you as you talk about taking a listening posture and being awakened to things that, you know, really you, in your privilege, were able to be blind to until then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is amazing once you start seeing certain aspects of racial injustice or white privilege, even if you're not mm-hmm. white in your case, um, you don't unsee it from that point. And, you know, you can hopefully then see some more and then not unsee that and then hopefully see some more and then unsee that. And so, uh, you know, it really feels like there's that that, uh, verse of the New Testament where Paul says that the one who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until Mm -hmm. that day when Jesus returns. And I really live with that hope uh, in us personally and and as a community on that front. Mm -hmm. Um. Any other topics or issues or things that our church has been navigating or that you see kind of in culture these days that you'd you'd like to speak into? Uh, You know, I, I would say for myself is, you know, the emphasis on mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're still exiting, (laughs) you know, like lockdown, but we're still in the middle of like a pandemic when still quite a few people are, uncomfortable and still processing everything that's happened. And I think it's very easy to just kind of hop back into things without kind of sitting, you know, and taking a breath and realizing where you're at or where other people might be at. Cause yeah, it's been, it's been rough on a whole lot of folks and yeah, I certainly don't need to say that twice. And like, it's been rough on so many people. And I think that's, like with anything, you need to kind of sit with it and mourn everything that's been happening. And yeah, can't think of much else. Yeah, it's interesting that the, I appreciate you, you bringing that up, Kelsey, especially, I would say, kind of coming out of the pandemic, knowing, knowing as you said, we're, we're not out of it. We've, we've described the season we're in as from the battlefield to the hamster wheel, with no recovery in between. 
Yeah, yeah. Right? We've gone from this, in many cases, traumatic pandemic experience right back into the <laughs> the, the treadmill, the highway of life and busyness mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. commitments. And, and, and like you said, reveling in the in-person opportunities. But but we haven't done anything to 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 recover. And, uh, you know, for those of us from Southridge listening, that's the point of our August teaching series. We're going to learn about soul care. We're going to learn about loving yourself, as you described earlier, uh, and, and what the value is of tending to your soul in learning how to live a filled tank life. And uh, I, I think that that's going to be a, a, a real gift to people, especially in what I hope is a a slower month for people in the in the month of August. So appreciate you bringing yeah. that up. Yeah, fingers um, crossed. Yeah, yeah the I, other part is is that goodness, such knowledge isn't really power unless it's applied either. So really hopping in, you know, feet first into that, but also to a level which is sustainable too. Um, kind of, you know, like fostering proper mental health. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Hey, uh, we're past the... The, the half hour oh, deadline here. So as yeah, we wrap absolutely. up, any final encouragements or challenges either to our members or other leaders listening when it comes to engaging our emerging gens perspective on faith and church and its future? On faith and church and its future, I would definitely say look to your elders as well. I'm like more for the you know, emerging gen is folks who have been through it before. I know that we've had quite a few notes on mentorship, but really kind of taking in the wisdom of others and being a student to everyone. I, yeah, I can't emphasize enough on how life-changing that can be. Hmm. Yeah. It's not necessarily just an emerging gen focus or just a, from mm-hmm. one generation to another, the intergenerational beauty of what God can do when we open ourselves up humbly and, and teachably to one another is, is really fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Listen, Kels, thanks for being here again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hopefully it's not your last time. We've got a oh, yeah. on contract here. But uh, really appreciate you taking some time and participating in this month long uh, experience of some, some of the fresh perspectives in our church. Uh, and we, we value you, we value your voice and are, are grateful that uh, you could be part of this conversation. Thanks for sitting down with us. Oh, thanks Jeff, it's been a blast. And to all of you, thanks for joining us again this week. We'll see you back in seven days as we continue finding our way together. Take care everybody.